Psalms 30. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping away, sorry, weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. And John chapter 21, verse 1 to 14. Afterward, Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I am going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but at night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood by the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, do you have any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the full net, full net of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 143. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the, the dead. Blessings on the reading of the word. So the next part of our message is uh, something we call Tell the Story. And this week we have Trevor and Jared looking at uh, the breakfast on the beach from the perspective of Peter and Andrew, or for short, Pete and Andy. And so I'm going to invite Trevor and Jared to come up and uh, share that with us this morning. <sighs> 
déjà vu. Déjà vu? Yeah, déjà vu. Why would you say that? Because we just experienced something for the second time. I know what it means. Why did you ask? We're not French. We're Jewish. Well, what should I have said? How about Zetvo? That's how you say déjà vu in Hebrew. Oh, right. But it doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Well, not really. Wow. <laughs> what a day. What a, a day? We, we just finished breakfast. And that breakfast was amazing. It was just fish and bread. Well, I know that. But it's who made the breakfast. Yeah, yeah. I still can't believe that he's alive. I mean, he was crucified. We buried him. And God raised him from the dead. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. You already said that. It's true. That's true. Well... I think my tunic's dry now. <laughs> yeah, you were pretty funny. <laughs> well, what did you want me to do? Walk on the water? Well, yeah, that, that didn't work out this time either. But, uh, yeah, you, you went for it. I just needed to get to shore. And you left us to paddle that boat. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Not that bad? The boat was close to sinking under the load of those fish. Not that bad. Look at my hands. <laughs> Do you think you get hands like this from swimming away when it's time to bring in the catch? I did the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty amazing. I got fisherman's hands. Do you, do you think he was trying to make a point? Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Do you think he was trying to make a point with how many fish? How many were there? 153. <laughs> you counted? Well, no, but Matthew is counting. He counts a lot of things. And he told me later. <laughs> Matthew. Hmm. So what does it mean? I've got nothing. Hmm. Well, maybe it means nothing. It's just... Just what? Do you ever remember Jesus doing the exact same thing, uh, the exact same miracle twice for the ex exact same group of people? Well, he fed huge crowds of people twice. No, they're different groups and different sizes and probably different menus. <laughs> True. Now that you mention it, It is kind of strange that twice Jesus has done the same miracle for us. Yeah, well, what do you think the point is? That we're horrible at fishing. Touché. 
Touche. Andrew, do you want me to start calling you Andre? Oui, oui, non, non. We may not be the best at fishing, but still. Uh, do you know how many times after that first time I went back to the exact same spot to fish and nothing? I, I, I don't know. How, how many times did you go back? No, it was a rhetorical question. Oh. I know, I know what it means. But I always come back to that first time. Well, that first time when he just climbed in the boat and started teaching once we got out that time? Yeah. It was so strange and yet so calm and so... so... Right? Right. Yeah, he, he finished teaching and then he told us that we had to put our nets down deep in the water. I remember. And I remember complaining. Oh, we've worked so hard all night. Put the nets down. <laughs> and haven't caught anything, but since you say so, okay. Yeah, you were, uh, should we say, a little whiny? I was a little bit more than a little whiny. I mean, the next thing we know, the nets were breaking. <clears throat> yeah, and that was a brutal job, and we had to fix those nets the next week, and we barely had any time. We were already following Jesus by then. Yeah, we had to call the other boat over to help. Yeah, and, and I remember that. And you know what? Both boats were so full, they started to sink. That was when I realized that this man was special. And I was not worthy of even being near him. None of us were. And yet, he loved us. And he called us. And he said to me, from now on, I'll fish for people. Fishing for people. Mm -hmm. It was pretty confusing back then. I mean, how many people did you pull out? Not many. <laughs> yeah, me neither. And it would hurt a lot, too. Well, it's a lot clearer now, this fishing for people. Jesus wants us to teach others about him. That's what it means. Right, yeah. You think? Yeah, I know. I, is, is, are you sure you know that's what it means? Yeah, it is. It's a reminder for us, a reminder for me, that I'm still called. I still have a job despite everything I did and everything that happened. Yeah, well, I'm in. Yeah, me too. Let's go see what the master and see what he wants us to do. Yeah, all right. You know, do you think there's any leftover fish? Or do you think he has any ketchup? I think the fish could have used some ketchup. Hey, Andy and Pete, come back up. Come on up, Andy and Pete. No. Do, you, come you, up to the seat, Andy, Pete. You, Mike, you, you know we're not really Andy and Pete. No, I just kind of got into the mood. Um, I know the names are really Andrew and Peter, so not Andy and Pete. I know that. And uh, two of Jesus' disciples who are brothers, Andrew and Peter. Yeah, I got that. Mike? It's not us. You're not brothers? Well, well we are brothers. 
You're not Jesus' disciples. Well, we are that too. <laughs> so what's the issue? So the issue is our names aren't Andy and Pete. Of course they're not. Don't be silly. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Then it's just that you called us Andy and Pete. Yeah, you were kind of in character still, and I uh, didn't want to ruin the moment. I know you're Trevor and Jared. I mean, we all know that, of course. Okay, then, so what do you want? Well, I thought it would be great to interview the two of you about Andrew and Peter to get your thoughts on the story. Okay, that I can do. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like a good time. Great. Let's sit down or keep sitting down, I guess, <laughs> and, and chat. Um, so <laughs> the story of Breakfast on the Beach is one of my favorite stories in the Gospel of John. And I'm curious what you like best about Breakfast on the Beach. Why do you like it? Well, my favorite thing, I think, about the story is the hope that Jesus gives his disciples. Um, you know, like, they seem to have gone back to their former occupation of fishing. We, we don't know the circumstances exactly of, of why they chose to go fishing. If, if they, you know, gave up and, and they just wanted to go back or, or if they felt like they needed to start providing for themselves or, or what. Um, but they, you know, they, maybe they didn't know what to do because Jesus was gone. And, and then the fact that Jesus shows up and, and shows them that he's still there with them and that he was going to provide and, and you know, show them what to do, that, that's awesome. And uh, I also like hot breakfasts, so that was a favorite part too. <laughs> I like breakfasts. I really like the breakfast in this story, even though it doesn't talk a lot about the breakfast, so that kind of grabs me and makes me want to think about it. And then I also think about the gospel like a movie. So... I sometimes think of the breakfast and I wonder, okay, is this, because we've gotten past the climax of the movie, so I wonder, is this the part of the movie where there's kind of a tear-jerking scene where Jesus and the disciples tell each other they love each other and, and their feelings? Or is this, um, you know, one of those parts in the movie where everything just kind of clicks into place for the disciples and, you know, all the, all the things had been laid earlier in the movie and then someone says something and everyone's like, oh, it all makes sense. Um, I wonder if the disciples had a ton of questions. They were just peppering Jesus with questions now that we were at the end. And then maybe, you know, there were some bloopers, some outtakes, and they were just acting a little bit crazy after all the stress. I don't know. I, um, if you know Marvel movies, there's always the end credit scenes, right? I, I wonder if this is the end credit scene, if this is a movie. Yeah, it sets it up like, for acts, The story's right? not done. There's more to come. Yeah. It kind of sets up. So I, wonder, I like that. P P uh, Pentecost. That's a big one, yeah. Second Coming? Yeah. Yeah. Sequel. So, sequel. The climax. It's the Avengers movie of the whole. Oh, we won't go there. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a number of different characters in the story. Um, there's Jesus on the beach and cooking breakfast. Um, there's Peter, who's enthusiastic and eventually drenched as he rushes ashore. There's the disciples in the boat left with a haul of fish. If you imagined yourself as in a story... Who would you be and why? So it kind of seems like it's like Peter and then the rest of the disciples. And so I start with Peter. I say, could this be me? 
And then I think about all the times that I've had to purchase something and how it's taken me weeks and weeks and weeks and I've done research and da, 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 and my wife is laughing at me right now. Nice. Yeah. And so I well, conclude that I'm not Peter. I'm probably one of the other disciples and maybe just like nudging another disciple saying, get a load of Peter. Yeah, I, I think I might have been Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Little brotherly competition going on. Well, and not that I'm always the want to be the center of attention, but um, because I could see myself suggesting to go fishing, you know, like, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, and, and you know, Peter just kind of said, hey, let's do what we kind of know what to do. So he kind of fell back, and, and I could see doing that um, after all the upheaval. Um, and uh, I think... I think, you know, like, yeah, Peter jumping in the water, um, that, that was kind of neat. Um, and I could see myself doing that, not because I, I wanted to be the first there, but I think Peter, I, I think he did that because he wanted to go talk to Jesus and reconcile himself with Jesus, right? He, so it's the um, thing in the room and uh, that, you know, Peter had betrayed Jesus three times leading up to his crucifixion. And, and Peter has this hanging over him. And uh, so he just takes the first opportunity to, to pursue that restoration of relationship as soon as he can. And I see myself in that, wanting to restore a relationship as soon as possible. First off, I want to say I'm thankful neither of you said you're Jesus. That would have been very awkward <laughs> conversation. What, what about you, Mike? Who, who's your favorite? Who do you think you'd be? I have, I've wondered about that. And... I think there's a bit of Peter in the sense of coming before Christ, knowing my brokenness hmm. and experiencing the grace. Uh, I think there's a sense that I can relate with that uh, as a sinner saved by grace. Uh, but I'd probably see myself as one of the, the disciples in the boat. Um, Nathaniel? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe Nathaniel. That's a good name. I, I don't know which one, but just... Uh, privilege to be a witness to what God is doing. And I find that in ministry, that's what my role is. I get the privilege of watching God at work in your lives and hearing the stories of God at work and what he's doing with you and uh, groups like the CMA. And uh, it's just a, this privilege to witness this and be a part of the work. So, yeah. It's interesting that Peter dove and swam after the grace, but then he had to wait. Yeah. What do you think about that? That he had to wait? Yeah. To... Because he had the breakfast first. Well, it's called patience. Right. It's not an all-you-can-eat buffet right away. Like, it's, it takes time. It's work. This is a skill. <laughs> Cooking a meal takes skill, and you've got to wait. You've got to be patient, Trevor. Absolutely true. Okay, fair enough. Now, there's some interesting things in the story, and one of the most discussed and controversial uh, is the number of fish caught. Uh, the passage mentions, I think, 153 fish was caught. Um, what do you think the number 153 means? Well, you know, I, I, I checked into this, Mike. Um, some people, like uh, Augustine, thought uh, 153 is the sum of the numbers from 1 to 17. And this catch of fish uh, points toward the number of 17, which he thought would be the number of the Ten Commandments added to the sevenfold gifts of the Spirit. 
some people noted that 153 is added up numerical value of the Greek words Peter and fish. Some people, uh, Hebrew characters, Simon and Iona equal 100, 118 plus 35, which is 153. Some other ancient writers like Jerome believe been 153 on different types of again. fish in yeah. the world that catch this represent into uh, full harvest of the entire world. And some, like Cyril of Alexandria, thought that 100 stood for the Gentiles, 51 stood for Israel, and 3 stood for the Trinity. You know, Jared, the original church conspiracy theory. <laughs> Maybe not. There used to be a view that there were only 153 species of fish. And so because we're fishers of men, it meant the disciples were looking yeah. to catch them all. Uh, 153 fish. Yeah, Got to catch them all. Got to catch them all. Yeah. Uh, and all people of any background can be saved by the gospel. It's a pretty image. But... Like, especially the rainbow trout. Yeah. Um, but there's well, a problem Noah. now. Do you know what the problem is? I suspect there's more than 153 species of fish. So that makes it awkward that, because oh. it means that not everyone can be saved then. There's lots uh, yeah. of deep sea ones they didn't know. Yeah, so we should so. probably let go of that theory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a little awkward. Anyways, sometimes you can really think, overthink things. So any other thoughts about it? Uh, <laughs> we'll go to Jared for that one. Well, yeah, here's, here's a thought. Uh, you know, like if I was a fisherman and I had this big catch, um, I would have wanted to know how many fish I caught because maybe they'd never caught that many. So I think that 153 probably stood for the exact number of fish that they caught. Yeah. Whoa, mind blown. <laughs> so you're kind of saying that's actually just what happened. I think so. Yeah. Fair enough. Don't, don't read too much into it. Yeah. And fishermen are pretty prone to exaggeration, so this is their way of saying, okay, this isn't just an exaggeration. So, so I do like a good fish tale. Um, I think I like the explanation of 153 uh, is just a number of fish, and we shouldn't read too much into it. And it's just a way of saying to the reader, this is a la large haul of fish that was miraculous, and not just another fish tale of biblical proportions. So exactly. Yep. Wonderful. Now, there's two real images that stand out to me in this story. Uh, the catch of fish and breakfast on the beach. So let me ask you about one of them. Uh, each, about, each of you about one of them. Trevor, what are your thoughts on the catch of fish? Not the number of fish, but the whole story surrounding it, including Peter's reaction. Sure. I think it's obvious that the disciples were horrible at fishing. We kind of had that as a punchline. But more seriously, though, this is the second miraculous catch of fish. So, Mike, do you remember when the first one was? Yes, I do. It was near the start of Jesus' ministry. The fishermen had uh, uh, finished for the day, and Jesus comes along, and he finds Simon Peter there cleaning up, and uh, they'd caught nothing despite fishing all night long. Horrible fishermen. But Jesus tells them to put out uh, to the deeper part of the lake and let his nets down. And Peter does, and the catch is so big, net, big their nets are breaking, and others have to come help them. Right. And if I remember right, guys, Peter is overwhelmed and told Jesus to leave him because he's a sinner. Yeah. But Jesus instead says to Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. And Luke recounts that Peter, along with John and James, abandon everything and follow Jesus. So now we fast forward to the story in John chapter 21. So much has happened in between these two miracles. Yeah, like, like Jesus has died and been crucified, and he's rose from the dead. 
Yes. But That's a big thing. <laughs> totally big. But also Peter lacking faith, yeah. sinking in the water when trying to walk on water, and Peter denying Jesus three times. So, now here we are, post-resurrection, and the whole denying Jesus three times is the whale in the room. Isn't that supposed to be elephant in the room? Nope. Whale seemed more appropriate. Fair enough. So, they know Jesus has been raised from the dead, but they don't fully know what that means for them yet. So they go out fishing and still can't seem to catch fish until this man says to throw their nets on the other side of the boat. Now, there's nothing worse than people who try to tell you how to fish from the shore. Backseat fishermen, if you will. Yes. But something rings true, and they do it, and they recognize Jesus by the miracle. But this miracle is more than recognizing Jesus. It's a reminder about their calling, that they're to fish for people. They're called to minister to people in the world and not just fish in the waters. And it's a reminder that the only way they're going to catch anything that is to be effective in ministering to the world is to trust Jesus to work miracles in the lives of people. It's, it's not them. It's God working through them. Hmm. That's the success. Mm -hmm. What do you think this meant for Peter? Hmm. I think this is grace for Peter. He and Jesus both know what happened before Jesus died. And here he's reliving that calling moment. That miracle from his calling is happening post-resurrection. And it's almost like Jesus saying to him, Peter... You're not called to catch, or you're still called to catch people, <laughs> uh, not fish. So catch people, don't catch fish. Got it? Uh, there's so much grace in that. I love that. Um, and it's so true. Imagine the weight that would have come off Peter's shoulders in that yes. moment. And now he still needs to address what happened directly with Jesus. And that happens later in chapter 21. But I can't help but think of the hope Peter had when this happened. I think that's a part of his enthusiasm going to shore. Um, so thanks, Trevor, for your thought for that. And Jared, breakfast on the beach. Right. Well, I think it's hilarious that these guys labor to catch fish all night and then catch nothing. And then Jesus performs this miracle and they catch 153 fish. And then they get to shore. And Jesus is already, he already has fish and bread cooking. So, you know... <laughs> Though he did ask them to bring some of the fish they caught as well, it, it can't be missed. And uh, so they get to shore, and there's already fish cooking on the fire, uh, burning coals and bread. And, uh, and it, the image is so clear. Jesus doesn't need, he doesn't need us to do the work, but in his grace, he chooses to work in and through us. And he asks them to bring some of their fish too, and, you know, the fruit of his work through them. And then they eat together. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think we can't miss the food part. I, I mean, the, the resurrected Lord is cooking breakfast. Um, he's, he's in their lives. He, he, he's not just coming to them, you know, in, when they're ministering or something. He's coming to them when they're doing daily stuff, their normal lives, just, just like Jesus comes to us in those times um, through our normal day, not, not just, you know, at, at these, you know, once a week or something. 
Um, and, and the breakfast, I'm, I'm assuming that was the best ever, you know, like uh, to, for them to share breakfast with their Lord and Savior, with their teacher, with their rabbi. Um, and, and think about Jesus' ministry and, and how much of this was about food. Just, you know, th- think about uh, Jesus ate with sinners uh, and he had miraculous feedings and he ate with his disciples. Um, they had the Last Supper together. Uh, the, you know, that was when Jesus shared uh, communion with them for the first time. And, and in scripture, there's this image of the br- great banquet feast in the kingdom of heaven. And I, I can't help wonder, uh, is maybe this is what it looks like. You know, Jesus sharing food with his friends, with his followers. Um, I think if we look at feasts and banquets today, we think of, you know, the formal tables and eight people around and, and you know, a speaker at the front, you know, presenting whatever they're trying to. And, um, and you, maybe you don't even get to connect with people. Maybe you're just sitting there listening to the, the presentation at, at the banquet. But here we have uh, this banquet on the beach and the disciples are sitting there eating breakfast with Jesus. And I'm, like you said, Trevor, I'm sure they're asking questions, you know, like, do you remember the last time when this happened? And, and like, where are we going to fish the next time? And, uh, you know, like, um, all this stuff. And, and uh, I think Jesus and the disciples were smiling and laughing. And, and I wonder, maybe that's the image that we need about what this great banquet is going to be like uh, when we read it in Scripture. It's, it's not a stuffy and personal meal where we're dressed up in clothes that are, you know, too tight around the neck or something. But it's one of laughter and friendship. One of love and grace and hope and I joy. Have, I have thought about the breakfast too. What? No hash browns. Uh, yeah, and no bacon, that's for sure. I know. That's my hard part. How can it be so great if there's no bacon or hash browns? He had fish. That's yeah. Anyways, maybe he had fish bacon. Yeah. We got turkey bacon, turkey they had fish bacon. bacon. It works. That's Pork. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, no doubt. Fish bacon. <laughs> uh, I'll Are Jewish a... people allowed to eat f- fish bacon? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think it would go far. Uh, anyways, I, I think they're also maybe, Jared, in this scene, like this whole banquet thing is, I, I love the image of the banquet feast in scripture. And I, I think you're right that this shows you the relationship that's in that banquet feast. Mm-hmm. And how, we, we so misunderstand feasting and banqueting in our culture compared to back then. They're so social, so relational, so celebratory. And I, I think in this, there also might be hints of communion mm-hmm. in this story uh, on some level. I mean, the breaking of bread together, uh, not in remembrance of Jesus, but with Jesus. The resurrected <laughs> Savior is right there. So you're, I, you know, you're not talking about him third person. You're, you're there with him. Um, you're sharing the meal with him. One last meal before Jesus ascends to heaven. And as you said, it's a meal with laughter and joy. And yeah, I, I think that for us, this is the hope we hold on to, right? Uh, this is not a God who is distant and disconnected, but a God who is personal and values each, each one of us. A God who is working towards something great where we are at peace with him and with each other uh, and at peace with the world. And, and we can celebrate together uh, and we can be together. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I love the image of the feast, and it's a, we've said this is a, a, a meal or a feast about relationship and celebration, not some stuffy event. Um, this breakfast shows us that uh, 
Jesus is working in our lives. And, and that feast, that banquet, is the completion of that. That's the hope we all have. And as we've gone through this series, we've seen how we're created with purpose and value and how we can use what we have to serve God and how we're called to go and help bring others to Christ. And sometimes the people we don't want to go and, and uh, God goes after the lost sheep. This is the completion of all that. Mm-hmm. That no matter how broken, no matter how lost we are, no matter what mistakes we've made, and Peter made some doozies of mistakes. And that's one reason why I resonate with Peter. It's like, Hey, if God can use him, that just affirms the grace I have in my life, that God still loves and values and has a purpose for me. And so what we see is this feast on the beach, and to me it's just a reminder of that completion that we have of we're working towards that time when we're all in glory. When Jesus has come again, and we're all together as the body of Christ in glory, sharing in the great banquet as one community Worshiping God, saved by grace for eternity. I got to tell you, I wish I could have had a little snippet of that breakfast Mm. on the beach. Mm. But man, do I ever look forward to the day, and I hope all of you do too, when we feast together in glory. Amen? Okay. Um, You'd be happy with breakfast on the beach? Yeah, Yeah, I'd be happy. You? I'd be happy too. Okay. With hash browns. Yes, fair <laughs> and enough. Fish and bacon. fish bacon. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, anyways, let's invite the worship team up um, as we finish up. And let me just close this off in prayer before we turn to worship. Father God, we thank you so much for this day you've given us and that we can come and worship you and remember all you've done. But Lord, also we can look forward to the celebration we have in glory and heaven with you. Help us to keep our eyes set on what you have in store for us in the long run. And may you be given all glory and honor and praise. In your name we pray. Amen.